Welcome to Rook Health. As always, I'm Farouk, the host of the podcast, and the host of these interviews I'm going to be doing about the whole immigration process and job applications, specifically geared towards international applicants, international students, which make that transition into the UK healthcare workforce. And today I have with me Justin, who is also another physiotherapist like myself and who has undergone the same uh, process of immigration, of job application, sponsorship, and the whole nine yards which make up uh, everyone's life slightly a little bit more difficult if you're not from you know UK applying for a job. But I'll let Justin introduce himself now and tell him tell us uh, what he does, uh, what, he, what he does, how long ago he did the application process, and what was it like? Hello, everyone. Nice to meet you all virtually. Um, my name is Justin. Um, as Farouk said, I am also a physio. Um, I have been here in the UK for more than uh, six or seven months. have recently started um, an application. So from a job application perspective, I started on last year around February, March and started to apply around mid-May. Um, yeah that is like a very brief um, process, which may be uh, a little bit more um, harder to explain, yeah. but I guess we'll just go through that later. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have quite a few things that we want to touch on this uh, video. Like the first one being, obviously everyone knows that if you're international, let's start it, if you're an international student, for example, and you're coming to the end of your course and you're trying to make, you know, you're trying to do the application to get a job, which, a lot of people are trying to, if you've, you've studied here for over three, four years now, most people would want to carry on working or at least get some experience here. That process can be often uh, quite difficult or quite, in a sense, difficult to maneuver because of the, the all the extra stuff you have to know. And it's kind of pressure racking as well because you don't want to make a mistake. Now, for you, when you obviously you did the application similar, a similar time with myself, um, but everyone has a slightly different experience. Uh, going through it because, you know, some people might have to go through it on their own. Some people might have, you know, support, some people might use lawyers. There are loads of avenues now for yourself. Uh, what was the one thing you found that was very difficult or the biggest challenge while you were uh, doing that initial phase, particularly the job application phase, before you could even get to the immigration side of things? Yeah, um, as you guys can imagine now, it is a pretty long um, phase and from the very start, um, I always knew that I wanted to work in, in the UK because of the levels of service that you could provide. And I feel like I am able to develop more as a physio right here. Um, I am not going to lie. It is pretty hard to find a job, um, especially during that time, interestingly enough. Um, I had to really put myself out there. Um, so I think I wrote about 30 personal statements 30 applications um, it was pretty tough um, and I think it's I would say your motivation um, for myself it's the hardest part because after you have written five and then you have sent um, and there's no news back or it sort of probably say yeah you actually didn't make it to the next stage yeah. of interview it can be quite disappointing um, so that is one of the things that I, I had to overcome for myself is to keep going because if you know that you have got good qualities, you match the job uh, person's back, there is always going to be a job for you. There's an opportunity. And that's and that's the honest truth, you know. You if you're if you're imagine if you normally if you're applying for a job, the mar job markets can be difficult to maneuver without having to worry about immigration. But if when you become if you're an international student, for example, it becomes exponentially more difficult because 
The reality is they're not, when the employers are looking at different things, they're factoring multiple things, am I right? When they're looking at, the first thing they'll look at is, do you need a sponsor? Because that is an extra process in itself where you're international as opposed to someone who is home that can probably start within a month or start. We are not going to be able to start in a month if you're coming. <laughs> and we both know this because the, the waiting time will even take longer than that already. So, I mean, yeah. these are the few things straight off the bat that you're going to have to do. And I think you touched on it well saying, you know, you're going to send a lot of applications. I know myself that I sent out a lot of applications. A lot of them you don't hear back from. Some of them they just tell you, you know, we're not, unfortunately, we're not able to sponsor. And some of them you go to the interview and do the interview, but still end up with disappointment. Did you have any of any experience like that where, you know, you've done the, you've gone through the whole application process or uh, how did you deal with the rejection or that, that part of it when, you know, you get to, either you get to the application point and you've done everything and you're actually done the interview, but you still have, you know, the, that sponsor, that international aspect is the barrier. Yeah. I could definitely relate uh, to you, Farouk, because, um, yeah, I have been through similar cases like yourself. Um, and I feel like, I think at that point, it sort of made me realize that this is the reality of the job market. Um, not everyone is able to provide that sponsorship because if you consider from their perspective, they still need to have that fund. They still need to have available funds to sponsor an international applicants. And like you said, it's extra work. It's extra effort. Um, and I don't think they have any obligation to do that for you. Um, so I just feel like you need to really find that uh employer that is willing to do that either they are really short of stuff that might be a good opportunity for you to get in if you meet obviously all the job criteria so i'm really grateful for my current employer that they are able to bring me in um through the process and uh, yeah i think that I think that's a you know, great point because everyone there's no obligation for them to take you on if anything you know it depends on where, you know, where the trust is, where you are. A lot, a lot of different factors that come into play as to whether or not, you know, a trust or a hospital or an employer is going to say, no, we really do need you, so we're going to take you on. And obviously, everyone knows that there's a, the demand for healthcare professionals far outstrips the supply of healthcare professionals. Because every year, I'm sure you've probably noticed this, almost every department I've been in is always short-staffed somewhere. They never, I've not met a, you know, full department which is fully staffed, every single position is filled, so that's where you know the opportunity is. However, someone else is also going for that position as well, and they are home students, so they have a natural advantage over you. And it's not even a you know they know more or they're more qualified. You may be more qualified than them, but I, I don't know if you've probably heard about this, where they have to prove to the home office that they they actually looked for someone who's a home student before you know considering you. So you're already in the bottom of the pecking order from being honest. So you then have to push even further. Are you familiar with that uh, that sentiment where you have yeah, to yeah. 100% because um like I have seek sort of advice when I wasn't able to get any jobs at that point. I have seek advice from some professionals who had held like high posts in NHS so they know what the process is like. Yeah. So I would say for myself it's always knowing that there is going to be a demand. So you're just going to keep going. Um, but yeah, if you sort of, um, if you can see from the employer's perspective, they actually have a lot to do. Um, like you said, they have to prove that they have tried to um, secure and try to recruit someone else from the local yeah. pool before going to yourself. 
Although um, there is a good point that I wanted to raise is that a lot of trust right now, which is a good sign that they are trying to promote equality, diversity, uh, and inclusion, whereby they sort of uh, interview based on merit points. And this is where they get, um, this is where you can play to your advantage because at this point, they aren't really looking for anyone local or international. They are looking for someone who is really qualified um, and I guess this is, um, I think some of the trust, they would just state there down in their job application that yeah. they support this initiative. This is the one that really for myself, um, I really paid a lot of attention to. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you are aware of this, Farouk. Well, I wasn't too, I wasn't too familiar. I know, you know, diversity and equality and inclusion are being pushed uh, significantly now across the board. And the interesting thing of when we, when I applied was, I plan at the cusp of when the health and care visa was just starting and, you know, in the midst of this pandemic. So things were moving kind of fast <laughs> either way. So I think things, you know, that's the thing. Things are always changing and, you know, trust that they're always trying to recruit new policies. So as I said, this, this time, actually, if you tried to apply you know, two years ago, it would have been more difficult being a healthcare worker, uh, no doubt. However, now is a time where things are a lot easier with the whole, you know, even the job application side because they're looking for, uh, different things. But one thing I wanted to even touch on with you is I think that's a good point uh, about the, that this is a good time was, were you willing to move far away uh, from your, like, because when I, when I was in the application, so I applied everywhere and everywhere. You know, I said, <laughs> I just went on NHS jobs and bad vibe and then just sending, 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 sending uh, with geographical location. And that's something, you know, sometimes people, uh, don't want to go they don't want to go far how was how your thinking when because i literally applied for a job in wales did i really want to move to Wales? maybe maybe not but there was a job available there if i got it i would probably move there. i don't really mind did you was that something you factored very much you know location wise you were so much keener than myself but yeah so um yeah but for myself um i see so my kind of mindset was like um as long as i have got a job I could always progress from there. Yeah. Uh, and it's similar, like if you wanted to get into a sports, um, and I know that we are sort of going off tangent right here. It's, yeah. it's about getting your food through the door. That's yeah. the most important thing. So for myself, um, I don't really sort of really care where I'm at as long as I know that the, the trust values uh, aligns to my practice. Um, yeah. And I have what location, right? Because I graduated from Bradford. So anywhere near Yorkshire is the best. Um, and I have had received some offers from that area. But I think for someone who is wanting to start uh, working in the UK, I think it's best to have that mindset whereby yeah. you really need to keep your head down, start with a job and then progress from there is what I would say. Yeah, particularly exactly. Particularly if you're international coming from that background, you you know, home students or if you're already international student, you're coming from somewhere else. Because when you get in, it's a lot easier, I would say, to then, you know, if you wanted to then change jobs or something like that, we'll get to that. I know you first we'll get to that in a sec, but then it's a lot easier. But once you can, you know, get your foot through the door in a job and then you already establish you maybe getting some experience, then you can then start saying, okay, then you can have more preference. And I don't I don't like saying that, but it's the reality where you kind of almost have to take what you're giving as long as you know it's it's, it's, it's lines, as you said, lines of people what you believe in, but kind of have to take what you're giving sometimes. Now, you know, that's a bit of the job application side. And obviously, uh, would you, what was the one thing, I know you already said that you found that difficult. Did you find anything else difficult in that job application before we move on to more of the immigration side? 
Um, I think speaking from a personal experience, mm. it's it's always about um, it's always about the job. Like I said, it is quite hard to get one. Um, but um, I think just to conclude what I said about uh, the job application part, it's all about myself. Yeah. It's my personal barrier that I need to go through, um, and I don't really want to put any blame on any organization for not taking me because yeah. ultimately it could be yourself who is not qualified. So what you need to do is get better and be more qualified until the the employers will look at the both qualifications and say yes, this is the one that we're looking for, and no matter what, we are willing to sponsor him. We are willing to put our efforts in it. So. I would say not so much on a blame mentality, but yeah. how to get yourself better is what I would say. Yeah, I like I like that idea. You know, it's because uh, it's very easy. I mean, I had interviews where I, I got rejected, but some of those interviews I got rejected was because I didn't know enough about the area. You know, <laughs> I'll give an example. And it, but it's it's me reflecting on myself and saying I have to, because when you come from either international abroad, international home, I, I keep driving home this point. You want to be the best. You want to be, you know the best above reasonable doubt where, you know, they're going to look at your application and say, this dude is way too qualified for us to pass off. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Like you nailed the interview, you nailed the personal statement, you nailed everything. And then th- at that point it becomes where a case where you're all de facto the best. And then they have to start finding reasons why they can't or, or they'll start looking for reasons why they should employ you and justify amongst themselves. I think probably I, I'd love to pat myself on the back. I think I did that with the where I'm working now where I, and I think I aced that interview so well that, you know, so by the end of the interview, I already not have the job. But I think, you know, multiple things came to play where, you know, they probably do need, they did, they need a staff. <laughs> and I was good at that. <laughs> and then, then it was just like, yeah, we're going to look into the whole process for you uh, of sponsorship and all that. And, you know, you leave it there. But I love that driving home. The, the blame mentality is not, it's not there. Because you will have rejections. And I would be very impressed. I mean, I would say 99% of people will have, you know, one or two at least rejection. If you apply for one job, got that job, immediately you're very lucky. You are not in the majority. Very, very lucky. Yeah, you're say. like uh, you're an anomaly on the chart uh, yeah. of you know the job application aspect. Now, let's move into the you know immigration side because obviously I think they both work. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Coherent, no? In accordance with each other, and they both run mm-hmm. perfectly. However. Obviously, the job application part is the first part, but you also still need to be aware of that immigration part because a lot of the times you might get caught off. For example, if they ask you a question in the interview or towards the end, oh, are you home student? Or what do you need? Or what's your visa status? Or things like that. And you can't answer that. You don't know enough about sponsorships or what you even need. It's, gonna, it's not going to look very well because then you're putting a lot more emphasis on them to go and start finding out. And you know, if they say, you, know, you don't know enough, we can't even help you on that. What would you say in that immigration part was the toughest parts we're talking things like you know getting sponsorship uh getting all your documents together sorting out you know the applicant the actual immigration and visa application side and doing all the research what was the hard parts for you yeah um just to echo on what you said um it i would say it is equally hard because both of them go head in hand without one you wouldn't be able to go through the other for myself um one of the big things is the fees so um when I applied for my, I had to pay um, the application fee. That's the first one. And something called IHS. So the immigration health surcharge, um, that is something that I, I had to pay uh, forward. And I know that IHS um, 
if you applied for a tier two visa at that point, um, they they will still refund you back, but it is still a large sum of money to to pay forward. So that is one of the things that uh, I am taking into account. Um, the other thing was the uncertainty of the length of the application because um, right now, um, sorry, I am just speaking from experience. So at that point, um, you were. Um, given like a time frame and they aren't able to guarantee you that you will be able to receive the results of the application within let's say six to eight weeks uh, and I think it doesn't help when you ask more people and people say oh I have got it in three weeks and the other people would say oh no I, I've been waiting for what two to three months that doesn't help either um, these are the two big things um, and the third one I would say it's knowing where to get your information because yes, there is a general guideline. So your gov website where you, there is loads of information, but knowing which information is relatable to you, that is a hard bit because there are so, so many uh, information. If, and if you go and look on gov website, there are so many types of visa and you don't even know which one uh, it's actually you. Yeah. So at that time, um, I was applying for a tier two general visa. So tier two brackets general visa. And I um, right now just touching on a bit on what I um, am applying. It's the tier two health and care visa. Just to put a bit of clarification out there. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I had a similar thing where uh, I, I think I told you this the last time we talked where yeah. two weeks or two weeks or a week before I think I, I applied I made my application on like a Thursday and by the next week that was when the health and care visa came out so for those for those who are listening now so you, you touched on that when, when we get to the last part we're talking about you know what you what's happening now where you know back then you would uh, just before when I was applying you had to pay the IHS surcharge and that was depending on how many years you know your contract was if you for example have the job contract was giving you five years and you were going to apply for a five-year visa you would uh, you need to pay for five years of health surcharge however and we'll touch on that a bit the new health and care visa which is i think one of the better things that could happen you know eliminates that ihs uh, health surcharge because your health worker i think they realized it was a whole big thing i kept following the news where people were arguing that you know it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay to use the NHS if you were going to work in the NHS and be providing a service of care and you have to pay thousands of pounds to use the thing you're in already, which kind of seemed, you know, counterintuitive, but that's how it was for every, well, since since beginning up until last year. And that's one of the good things that's happening now where you don't have to pay that anymore. I have to pay it, but I got mine back. And I think the next thing you said was the time. Times are the realistic thing you have to put into account of, you know, it's not going to be a quick one week, two week thing. Even if the they say you know, health and care visa, I'm sure you've seen it where they take three weeks. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it'll be three weeks if I'm being realistic. <laughs> I mean, my mind said, you know, my other friend who literally did the health and care, so trust me, he said three weeks, and you know, he's calling me three months later or two months later and asked, saying that, oh, have I gotten mine yet? And I said, oh, I haven't gotten. I didn't even, you know, put it into my mind. And when I finally got it, he was waiting for it, so it wasn't three weeks, and that's mainly because we're in a pandemic and. Yeah. I think there's a backlog of people they have to, you know, do so. Before things start settling down, where they actually got through, because actually three weeks, I don't know how long it is. <laughs> it's gonna take. But I know you now. You're in the what are you in the process of, you know, doing the whole doing the health and tier, um, tier two health and care. Can you talk a bit on that? Uh, what that entails? Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I have been quite 
um, fortunate again to be offered another new job um, nearer to my university, which is obviously helps. Um, so I've came across did a bit of research on health and care visa, watched lots of lots of videos, went onto the website and stuff like that. Um, I would say my experience right now, I would say it's much easier because uh, I am coming from a point where I hold a tier two general visa. So I am imagining like all my documents are already uploaded in their cloud or anything. And I think having done twice, so including my tier two student visa, I would say I am more, a bit more experienced right now. Um, there's going to be less fees because there isn't going to be IHS. Um, and I would say there are more information right now. Um, more and more coming up from the Gov website, from the home office itself, and hopefully from this video, this podcast, more and more people um, know more about this visa um, and definitely less documents, um, speaking from experience, because I literally just went to the uh, biometric center and all I need to provide was my passport and my biometric residence, my BRP. Yeah, so um, I would say it's a much more smooth, um, easy transition from a tier two general visa to health and care visa. Obviously, I am not coming from, let's say, a tier four to a tier two health and care, so I'm not too sure about that. But if yeah. you are looking to change uh, your employer, looking to change um, your job, but still remaining in that healthcare sector, I would say it is a pretty good transition uh, from the application perspective because I am still waiting for the decision to be made, which hopefully, fingers crossed, will be um, successful. But um, yeah, that is my experience so far. Uh, Definitely much easier, I would say. That's, that's, that, that's the key thing right there, that it is a lot easier. And I didn't, I didn't know, particularly, I didn't think it would be that. I, I knew you had a feeling because you just applied and you already did it, you were already on tier two in general. Mm -hmm. And now you're coming to the health and care. I didn't realize you only really you don't need that much documents because the paperwork is one of the things that yeah. is very daunting sometimes when you have to start filling in long booklets of forms. You have to fill this, fill this, fill this. You have to provide this, 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 this. You have yeah. to provide bank statements. You have to provide. I've provided a lot of things when you're doing it normally. That, I, think, I assume maybe that's the first time because obviously that makes sense. But yeah. you have to get to biometrics. I mean, I was lucky enough where they were trying out a new system for the biometrics where I just needed to do it because I, I already had a tier four visa and uh, you know, I had you know, visiting visas in the past where all I needed to do was you know, do the biometrics via face on my app, a download an app. Mm -hmm. I normally would have to go into the embassy, is it the embassy? Or you have to go to a center basically. Mm -hmm. Center you yeah. went to? Yeah, so um, I think it is quite similar to my tier two. So on my tier two, I had to basically go to a, a third party sort of company um, and on tier two because I am from um, sort of Asian background what I went to was a company called VFS mm. but right now transitioning from a tier two general yeah. to a tier two health and care uh, it's called UK VCAS if I'm not mistaken um, and there's basically a lot of centers all around the UK um, I've, I've been to Nottingham because there was uh, lucky luckily enough there was an appointment available right there mm -hmm. so I had to pay for a certain amount of fees I think it's ranging from 75 pounds to 135 that is the thing that you need to pay um, I think because coming from a tier two general I would need to redo my biometrics I'll need to take a photo put my stuff like that 
Um, so I will still need to do that, but obviously it is much cheaper compared to applying for a tier two general where I had to go to VFS, sorry, a VFS center back home in Malaysia and then sort the, the same thing out really. But yeah, again, much more easier. Uh, and when you're in the UK, it is quite accessible, I would say, albeit we are in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing. That's a sort of thing, but uh, you know, I imagine applying from the UK already is a lot. I would say it's slight, makes it makes life a bit easier than applying from abroad because, you know, but unfortunately people would have to do. And that's something I will talk about later on the uh, on the channel. But we'll leave that for another day. But yeah, that's a very interesting, you know, thing, and that's something you have to consider as well. Those possibility of you know, traveling long distances paying the fees of all these little fees. And they, they both, you know, as I said, now it's a bit cheaper. It knows, but not a bit, it's a lot cheaper without paying yeah. that IHS search. I think it's thousands of pounds. <laughs> yeah. Thousands of pounds. But uh, now it's, you're only considering, you know, your visa fees, your biometrics fees, and little, little things like that. And, you know, have a separate, can I, we can have a separate talk about another time about specific fees you need to be aware of and how they can rack up yeah. uh, when you go through a bit more of the process and see what that's like. But, these are all the multiple things you have to consider when you're, when you're doing this application because it's not straightforward. And I keep saying it's not a straightforward thing. Like as it's not straight, not directly, immediately straightforward. But you have to do the research around. You know, watching videos. Hopefully, this one is helpful to someone at least, <laughs> if not one or two people. But uh, yeah, and it's the whole all, all bars And if you do it alone, it's slightly more, be more challenging. But I mean. Uh, I think, you know, be very good and drop some very interesting uh, topics. I mean, overall, before we uh, wrap things up, what would you say, uh, you know, have any tips or advice for people who are about to either do the process for either starting, you know, from straight out of uni or coming abroad from, or actually changing from one visa to the other or changing job, what advice you got? That's a good question right there, Farouk. Um I would say um, for myself, um, definitely seek advice from someone who has already done it. Speak to someone else who has uh, possibly has or knows someone who has experience in doing all this, no matter what type of visa, but just the whole immigration process as a start to get a very, very basic idea. Um, you know, hopefully with this video coming out, this podcast coming out, more and more people would know. Um, in terms of job application process, I think reflecting on my past experiences, I would say definitely start with why. So why do you want to come to the UK and work? Um, what's the benefit? Uh, what can you gain from it? What What's the pros and cons? Um, what I would suggest doing practically is just to write all these things down in a, into a piece of paper and then ask someone else that you trust, ask someone else that you would seek advice from and give them a ask them to give you feedback really. Um, and then I would say ensure you understand the timeline. Um, so from a job application process, what are you going to do? What are you going to expect? What sort of documents do you need? And sort of prepare them uh, in advance so that, uh, which links to my next point, so that you have that expectation. Because a lot of, so I was feeling quite anxious because I don't have that expectation. I thought it was going to be done in like two weeks. Mm, but then, yeah, no. it, yeah, it sort of um, obviously that wasn't my expectation anymore. So it's really good to have that expectation. What, um, wow. how long does it take? Um, how much money do you need to prepare to have in your bank account? What, what sort of documents really? 
but yeah, um, really have that um, expectation, seek advice, and really know your reason. It's some of the tips I would give to someone who is looking to work in the UK. I think that's I think that's overall great great advice. And uh, the two ones that I will you know drive on a bit was one is that time timing, because that timing is very essential. When I say it's very essential, is you, and it starts straight from once you know you want to apply for a job or when you know your visa is about to end. For example, if you're a student and you're visa in September, you don't want to get to August, you don't want to get to July and then start applying for jobs. Yeah. It, the time frame is not going to, it's not going to be very favorable for you. You're going to be in a very tight window where you have to get the job within a month, for example, and then also make the application because I, from what I remember, you have to have made the application before your visa ends. So if my visa ends September 1st, you need to have made that application today, at least the day before September 1st. Because if you make it even a day after, technically, obviously there, it comes down to then, it will come down to a bit of personal and what the government decides to do. But technically you're in kind of violation because they would, you need to make that before your visa ends because you don't want any troubles because that's the last thing you want. You don't want any issues like that. So timing things are very ahead of time. And like versa, if you're coming from abroad and uh, you've, you know, you want to get a job, you don't want to leave things too close. And time is always a big thing that, you know, you have to factor in because you start things way too early. But I think if you're coming from abroad, it always depends on circumstances you're coming from. Theoretically, do you have more time to take your time, slow it down? And obviously, obviously when time, even though time is a big effect, you don't want to rush it because the last thing you want to do is rush things too fast in terms of getting a job, you get the job fast. That's, I don't have any problem. You rush, you rush, you get a job because <laughs> you have the job, but you don't want to rush that immigration documents, getting all this money in your bank accounts because the, all these type of things, you don't want any reason for them to deny your reason. You want to make sure that you've done everything within your power and then anything is out of your control unless you give them a reason. So you're coming from abroad as well. Take your time, you yeah. know, make sure you have everything laid out, make sure all the documents and that's something we can talk about uh, in another in another uh, interview later on. Uh, been down the line is some of those fees you have to be aware of, and I'll make a separate video about that. Fees you have yeah. to be aware of, time scales, rough time scales you have to be aware of, just so that you can give yourself the best preparation moving forward, and you don't feel rushed because that's a nightmare. Another thing I would say is um, if you are looking to really start to start the process, I think it's best to speak to someone like your lecturer or any sort of visa support group that you have in your university, that is always a good start. If not, um, then you need to be proactive as well. Go online, search for information, ask from anyone that you know would be a great place to start as well. I don't know if you agree with that. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, universities, they have good support systems. Uh, some of them have at least. I know some of you where they have, <laughs> I'll speak for all. I'll say at least mine, I think there was there was some support where you could have, I think the career department had some idea about the whole process. So they could give you some advice because they've seen, they've probably seen multiple people, students go through that whole process. So they can give you uh, advice and guidance. Obviously, it's going to be as a depth. And uh, we'll leave this one another time, so we don't do, but there's also possibility of using, you know, services. Uh, yeah. and ex external services which are professionals at what at this obviously that comes with a cost and we'll discuss that uh, another yeah. time but it's always something to possibly keep in mind if you're worried and <laughs> you're not really very you know don't be doing it by yourself but hopefully these videos are we'll be making and uh, are to help you you know ease that make sure make the process be easier but really appreciate you coming on justin and shedding some very important tips and hopefully we will see you later on at a later stage to give us more uh, tips and advice and 
share more of experience uh, with the whole process of immigration. But I hope that was helpful. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on, Justin. No problem. Happy to help. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Great, great. Until the next video on the Rooks Help channel, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Take care, everyone.